Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. The FBI search of Donald Trump's Florida mansion. Show us what you found. You've never done this to a former president. This is 2022. The 2022 midterms. Democratic Party. Their woke, socialist, green dream ideology. Whether or not they'll end up paying a price for it this fall is unclear. Elections do have consequences. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It is News and Views for a Wednesday. Cousin Eddie, Joe Biden, announced today that he will counsel, cancel $10,000 of federal student loan debt for certain borrowers making less than $125,000 per year. Yeah, you know, I mean, the way they throw these numbers around, it sounds like everybody, I'm <laughs> 125000 that's pretty much, uh, that's just your average pay, right? Uh, I, th- I think anybody making $125,000 a year ought to be able to pay off their student loans. What do you think? $20,000 will be uh, forgiven for Pell Grant recipients. I'm curious how this happens just before the midterms pop up. Biden said, I'm in keeping my campaign promise, my administration is announcing a plan to give working and middle-class families breathing room as they prepare to resume federal student loan payments in January of 2023, Biden tweeted. So, uh, well, first of all, one of the reasons why middle-class families need breathing room, Joe, is because your policies have made things uh, a whole lot more expensive Inflation is very much a regressive tax on everyone. It hurts the poor more than anybody else. But that's thanks to you, Joe. But I'm starting to think about it. If you were prudent, if you were responsible, if you lived a frugal life in order to pay off your obligations, you now get to pay off everybody else's obligations again. In other words, you paid off yours, and now, via higher taxes, which will come, via inflation, which will come, you get to pay off these student loans that Joe Biden has waved his magic wand and says, hey, guess what? It's disappeared. I'll get to whether or not it's legal or not in a minute. Uh, By the way, I, I don't think it is. The national federal student loan debt now tops 1.6 trillion after ballooning for years and listen one of the reasons why it is so expensive to go to college is because of the government handing out money hand over fist saying oh yeah yeah you can can take the money and pay it back over 20 years and you know now they're, they're lowering how much you have to pay based on how much you make and if you don't get it paid off in a certain number of years, it's not paid off in 20. It was 25 years, then it would be forgiven. Now it's 20. They'll, they'll lower that. But consider this. So he's giving away $10,000 for anybody making less than $125,000. $20,000 if you're under the Pell Grant. How many votes? And by the way, 43 million people. 43 million people will be able to uh, qualify. So how many votes did Cousin Eddie just buy? I mean, this is the way you campaign now, apparently. You vilify your political opponent, a.k.a. Donald Trump. 
you vilify him, you use the DOJ, you weaponize the DOJ to go after him. So he is, he is the villain in the eyes of the public. I mean, that's what Joe wants to do. And meanwhile, you, you buy votes. I'm not sure it is going to work, but that is why he is doing it. Less than 100 days before the midterm elections in which the Democratic Party is getting shellacked. The national debt, according to the Treasury Department, certainly currently sits at $30.7 trillion. Biden also said the borrowers with undergraduate student loans are able to cap repayment at 5% of your monthly income. So uh, Biden also extended payments uh, through yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, now you're uh, you don't have to start paying again until the end of December thirty, uh, December thirty first, twenty twenty two. That's when your payments will start again. If you remember, Trump eliminated the the payments temporarily under COVID. That was extended, and now it's being extended again. It was supposed to end in August. Now it's extended again to December thirty first, twenty twenty two. Yes, we would not want to end those payments uh, or end the moratorium on the payments right now. That would leave a poor taste in every every voter's mouth that owes money on it. But listen, it's so 43 million are benefiting. That's not necessarily to say that all 43 million agree with it. But how many millions? That, that leaves basically, uh, what, uh, 290 million others? that aren't going to benefit from it. So I, I don't necessarily think this is uh, going to pay the dividends that uh, Biden and the Democrats might think it will. According to a Penn Wharton budget model, a one-time maximum debt forgiveness of $10,000 for borrowers who make less than, than $125,000 will cost around $300 billion for taxpayers. This is in the midst of our high inflation. So... Joe goes on vacation. He's basically been out of uh, the White House for the past two weeks. He shows up and signs the uh, Inflation Reduction Act, which is anything but that, then leaves to go back to Delaware. Now he comes back again to announce this uh, forgiveness. Biden's bold action is a strong step in Democrats' fight to expand access to higher education and empower every American to reach fulfillment, so said Nancy Pelosi today in a statement. By delivering historic targeted student debt relief to millions of borrowers, more working families will be able to meet their kitchen table needs as they continue to recover from the challenges of the pandemic. Still blaming it on the pandemic. Heaven forbid they just uh, admit that it's their fault for their policies. Quote, importantly, this action will help those most in need, easing a financial burden disproportionately harming women and people of color. (laughs) What are you talking about? I, I mean, this is pure BS. I'm sorry, but it is. I mean... Who knows whether women have more college debt than men? That might be. But the idea that people of color, that this student loan program has hurt more than anyone else, people of color? Uh, I don't think so. And uh, the Heritage Foundation has written a couple of pieces on that that make it pretty clear. Now, listen, I'm not saying that there aren't people of color that have student loan debt. 
and I'm not trying to uh, point a disparaging finger at anybody other than Nancy Pelosi because she doesn't know what she's talking about. But the Heritage Foundation clearly points out that the Biden student loan forgiveness is regressive. In other words, this loan forgiveness is going to hurt the poor more than anyone else. The Urban Institute found that most outstanding student loan debt is held by people with relatively high incomes. It is disproportionately concentrated among the well-off. While lower-income households make up a large share of borrowers, upper-income households make up a larger share of outstanding student loan debt. That's because nearly half, 48% of the student loan debt, is held by households whose borrowers earned graduate degrees, professional degree holders, doctors and lawyers, for example, earn a medium, a median annual salary of $96,772, far more than those who did not attend or graduate college. But again, even those people that earn 96000 Joe made sure they get, they get this credit. I mean, I'm sorry, they don't need it. But the people that are going to pay it they're not earning $96,000, nine, almost $97,000. And, and that's, just, that's just the median annual income salary. The more generous student loan forgiveness becomes, the more it benefits the upper income earners. The Federal Bank of New York, Federal Reserve Bank of New York, recently estimated that 30% of loan forgiveness would go to borrowers from high-income neighborhoods. The University of Chicago finds that loan forgiveness would benefit the top 10% of income earners as much as the bottom 30% of income earners combined. The latest data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics show that college graduates continue to earn considerably more than their less educated counterparts, 45.2% more than the average worker, 57.6% more than those with only some college education or associate degree, and 125% more than those who never finished high school. <laughs> the ones that are having, and Nancy Pelosi says, oh, this is going to help the, uh, clearly it's going to help the people of color because they are the ones who have dis- been disproportionately harmed by student loan programs. B.S., But here's the most interesting part. Just last year, this is a cut to Clark. Just last year, here's what Nancy Pelosi said about Joe Biden and loan forgiveness. People think that the president of the United States has the power for debt forgiveness. He does not. He can postpone. He can delay. But he does not have that power. That that has to be an act of Congress. She spoke that correctly. Article 4, Section 3 of the U.S. Constitution gives Congress the right to dispose of, quote, dispose of property belonging to the United States, end quote. A debt is property. A debt is property, as understood by every court in America in 1787 and today, and only Congress can dispose of property owned by government. Joe, I'm sorry, you do not have the authority to do this. And I hope we have some Republicans that are astute enough to realize that. Now, they're going to come out and say, well, this falls under the Department of Education. 
it, it, you, l- let me read for you real quickly. The following is an op-ed written this past April by a, game, a guy by the name of Tom Campbell, not the same Tom Campbell that does NC Spin. This guy's out of California. He's a professor in law, uh, a professor of law, and a professor of economics at Chapman University. Uh, he's authored books on uh, constitutional law. He uh, also was a U.S. congressman for five terms. And again, he wrote this back in April. On April 6, President Joe Biden announced he was extending the moratorium on paying interest and principal on federal student loans until August. Originally, the moratorium was adopted by Congress as a part of its COVID relief package signed by President Donald Trump to expire in September of 2020. That was signed by Congress. That wasn't an executive order. That moratorium was extended by Congress until May of 2022. Now, President Biden, by an order to his Secretary of Education, has given three more months of forbearance. That was not done by Congress. To the Democrat leadership in Congress, this is not enough. Outright forgiveness of student loan is what Democrat Chuck Schumer of New York, Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts, Alexa Patella of California, Raphael Warnock of Georgia have asked in a letter to Joe Biden dated March the 31st. They were joined by three of the four squad members in the House, plus Democratic whip James Clyburn of South Carolina. Warren had called for writing off all student debt when she was campaigning for president. Her more recent request is for $50,000 of forgiveness per college graduate, which she urges the president to do by the stroke of his pen. Biden has said he supported a $10,000 relief, but only, only, this is what he said back in just in April this year, but only if Congress approved it. They haven't approved it. And by the way, Elizabeth Warren, I mean, how much money has this woman made by lying about her Indian heritage? I mean, look, she was making well into the six figures. I mean, well into the six figures. And now, hey, you know what? I made my money off you suckers. Now let's give loan forgiveness so the taxpayers can bail everybody out. When Congress created the several student loan programs, it gave the U.S. Department of Education supervisory authority over them, extending to matters such as how debts were to be guaranteed by third-party banks and how disputes could be settled. Congress did not give authority to the department simply to write off debt. That's why Biden has been insisting on any actual forgiveness to be passed by Congress. Again, Article 4, Section 3. Seeking to avoid that inconvenient truth, Warren obtained an opinion letter from Harvard Law School's Legal Services Center just before the 2020 election, saying Congress had, in fact, given the authority to cancel student loan debt to the Department of Education. This view was derived from provisions in the law that dealt with the situation where a student loan recipient went bankrupt. That, that was it. The Harvard letter defended Warren's claim that the new president could, on day one, wipe away all student loan. That suggests it may have been influenced votes in the 2020 presidential election three weeks later after she said that. Upon taking office, Biden instructed his education department to advise on who was right. Despite calls from Democrat leaders, he has refused to make his administration legal uh, analyst public analysis public, I should say, while continuing to insist that any debt forgiveness is done by Congress. It's possible Biden might eventually cave to his party's far left as this uh, midterm election approaches. Well, (laughs) Tom Campbell was absolutely right. That's exactly what happened. The breadth of the constitutional claim by Warren and her colleagues 
is highlighted by the size of the debt involved. $1.6 trillion are owed on the U.S. student loans that she believes Biden can wave away. It is unthinkable Warren would have advocated for any such presidential power if Trump had claimed it. Bingo. Georgetown's Center on Education and Workplace analyzed detailed Census Bureau data from 2007 to 2009 and concluded that a college education yields an 84% premium in lifetime earnings in America. In other words, over a lifetime, a bachelor degree is worth $2.8 million on average. But Joe Biden and his liberals just went out and tried to buy 43 million votes with this loan forgiveness. And uh, Bernie Sanders is right there. Now, Bernie Sanders, he he wanted everything forgiven. I mean, he's a pure socialist. I I suppose we should be yippee-yay-yay that it's only $10,000. But again, Republicans need to take this. They need to appeal this to the Supreme Court today. we got to take a break. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Shotgun with your five o'clock drive. Well, the drive home should be a delight. This is Tom Lamprecht with more news and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in August the 24th, 2022, National Waffle Day. Mm. 41 years ago, Mark David Chapman, he was the nut job that shot John Lennon. He was uh, sentenced in New York to 20 years in prison. He's still behind bars. Um, that's where he probably belongs. Take a look at your weather forecast tonight. A few clouds, a low of 69 tomorrow, cloudy with a high of 88 cloudy skies with showers later in the night, tomorrow night, low near 70 showers in the morning on Friday with some clearing in the afternoon, a high of 86 and uh, Friday night, mainly cloudy with a low around 69. So, uh, hitting the upper eighties, maybe 90 tomorrow, but, uh, not as bad as it was a while ago. I mean, if you remember just a few weeks ago, it was uh, we were pushing 100 degrees. So it's feeling okay compared to that. 561-8255. We have Charles on the line from Wilson. Hey, Charles. Hey, how's it going? Uh, doing well. Good to hear from you. What's up? I just wanted to chime in on your last um, uh, report with the uh, $10,000 student loan yeah. uh, forgiveness. Absolutely. And, and, and we're... We're actually going through this with um, our, our children's school right now about teaching character education, where I think one of the definitions was uh, fairness. The definition of fairness is to treat everyone equal, and I've taken issue that fair and equal are not the same thing. Um, right. And this is an exact issue where, you know, um, it's not fair to the taxpayer. If you really want to be equal and fair, you would say, hey, well, if you can prove that you've uh, – paid ten thousand dollars or more for your college and if not you can you know if you've only paid five thousand say for trade school you can you can use up to the amount you pay you should get that deduction uh from as a one-time tax write-off bingo uh, i yeah my our producer and uh my producer and i were talking about that before we went on the air if if you have been a prudent responsible individual who has paid back the loan that you took out nobody put a gun to your head you took it out you said you'd pay it back if if you've been or for that matter if you look if you not even didn't take a loan but what if what if you just saved and saved and saved and saved and paid for your college that way and you're a a good taxpayer but you paid back the student loan 
you're being punished and the guy that didn't pay it back is being rewarded because you paid it back and you're going to have to pay it back again with higher inflation due to this and higher taxes due to this. It's uh, it's infuriating, and I ho- I hope the American people see it for exactly what it is. And usually, these things backfire on Democrats. They 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 usually do a pretty pretty poor job of thinking them through. There'll be there'll be a handful of people that'll be oh this is great I, you know I got something for nothing, but but you're right. When are we going to teach our kids the responsible thing to do? Because it's the right thing to do. And everything that the Democrats do make life more difficult. They create the problem, which is exactly what Joe Biden does. And then he comes in and says, acts as if he had nothing to do with the problem, but say, here we are, your savior. We're, we're here to make things just right for you. Totally infuriating. Thank I'm you for the, the job. I'm here to help. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Run when you hear those words. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much. Thank you for the call. Appreciate it. Uh, Carolina Journal is reporting on um, something that we had talked about. Eh, I think this came out about two weeks ago, right here in the eastern part of the state. The North Carolina Board of Elections is going to have to make a decision concerning whether or not Valerie Jordan is a resident in Senate District 3 where she's running against Republican Bobby uh, Hainig. We talked about this a, a couple of weeks ago, where individuals had said they noticed up in Raleigh, Valerie Jarrett, or Valerie Jordan, rather, who uh, works for the Department of Transportation. She's saying she lives in Warrenton, in Warren County, and yet day after day after day, a couple of uh, people who are political political advisors, political consultants, Nathan Babcock was one of them. Said drove by her car, uh, drove by her house every day on the way to his office, and said uh, her car's in in the driveway of her house in Raleigh. It's been like that for twenty three days, and she's saying she lives in Warren County. Well. Representative um, Bobby Hainig, who's in the House now running for the state Senate, uh, Senate District 3, um, he presented to the county board of elections all the evidence that he had, um, Currituck County elections officials, and they uh, have now, they said, yeah, they, they voted three to two. Um, it was actually a bipartisan vote. It was one Democrat and two Republicans voted in agreement with Hainig, saying that it doesn't appear that Valerie Jordan is a resident of the district in where she's trying to run for the state Senate, which goes against state law. Now, she's come back and she said, uh, you know, she's she's told the News and Observer and the Carolina Journal and other publications that, you know, she says, quote, Warrington is my home. It's where I pray on Sunday. It's where I host our family dinners. Well, that might be true, but you don't live there. <laughs> uh, there is just, then the house that she says she lives in is deeded to her parents. Uh, anyway, Hainig presented a bunch of evidence 
to the Currituck County elections officials. They reviewed the evidence this last Tuesday morning. And again, they voted uh, three to two. They're going to send it up to the state board of elections. It will be up to them to decide. Now, the state board of elections clearly favors the Democrats. Uh, they're, They're highly partisan, as we've seen some of the shenanigans they've pulled over the last uh, few years. Uh, unfortunately, um, for Bobby Hainig, I think, I mean, it, it appears, now I, I haven't gone through all the evidence as the uh, Currituck County election officials have, but just reading articles about it, it appears he's got some pretty valid points that uh, Valerie Jordan is not a resident in the district she's running in. But I hate to say this, Bobby, I don't think you are going to prevail at the State Board of Elections. <laughs> They're partisan. We've seen it over and over again. And uh, I hope you do. I'm not trying to be a wet blanket, but uh, reading the tea leaves, not likely. Speaking of partisanship, we talked about this yesterday, this uh, situation with Josh Stein and... Uh, Jim O'Neill, the the ad that Josh Stein ran when Jim O'Neill was running against him and uh, Josh Stein had made accusations in his ads about how he was uh, not handling rape cases properly and uh, made some false accusations. He has appealed to the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals last night, about the time we went off the air, in a two-to-one ruling Now, again, um, this could be appealed to the full court. The full court doesn't have to listen or hear it, but it could be. Uh, In a split two-to-one ruling, the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals has granted North Carolina Attorney General Josh Stein an injunction that will likely help him avoid criminal uh, charges linked to a controversial 2020 campaign ad. The injunction blocks the Wake County District Attorney from taking any action against Stein or his associates pending further order of this court. Appellate judges scheduled arguments in the case in December. Isn't that interesting? The statutes of limitations runs out in October. And guess who the judges were? Uh, Well, you had two judges, one Toby Haytons and another Albert Diaz. Joe Biden appointed Haydens. Barack Obama appointed Diaz. They were, they were the ones that voted in favor of Josh Stein. Now, what is interesting about this and frustrating about this is you have two, Obama, two judges, one Obama judge, one Biden judge, who have overruled a grand jury made up of citizens. If you remember, we talked about this yesterday, a Wake County grand jury issued a presentment on Monday asking the DA's office to prepare indictments targeting Stein, his chief of staff, Seth Dearman, and his 2020 campaign manager, Eric Stern. These two judges said, nah, nah, nah. And again, it could be appealed to the full court. The dissenting judge, uh, Allison Jones Rushing, was appointed by uh, Donald Trump, She said, plaintiffs have not shown they're entitled to the extraordinary relief of an injunction against enforcement of a presumptively constitutional state legislative act pending their appeal from the district court's denial of exactly that relief, Rushing wrote. 
Rushing disputed the notion that the plaintiffs would suffer um, irreparable harm. No plaintiff claims that their speech is currently being chilled or will be eminently be chilled because of the possible future enforcement of the North Carolina statute. Uh, Yeah, Haydens and Diaz... This is this is a part of their opinion. They raise concerns about the law's potential to criminalize true statements. Well, nobody is saying that this was a true statement. I mean, why why do you even go there? They raise concerns about the law's potential to criminalize true statements. Listen, every law on the books has the potential to find someone innocent guilty. So are we going to do away with all laws because of that potential? The First Amendment does not permit a state to criminalize true statements, even those made with actual malice. No one is saying that they want to criminalize a true statement. They are saying the statement was clearly false. It appears that the law challenged here does just that by criminalizing a derogatory derogatory report made either knowing such report to be false or in reckless disregard of its truth or falsity. That's why we want to take it to court (laughs) to figure it out. Not with uh, the, is it, is it not curious while they are weaponizing the DOJ to go after Donald Trump? Here you have a grand jury that says, let's take this to the next step. Let's take this to the next level. And you've got two partisan judges coming in and said, no, unconstitutional, throw it out. I hope, uh, I I do hope that uh, the folks that are representing Jim O'Neill will um, take this to the full uh, Fourth Circuit Court and prevail. And we got to take another time out. Stay with us. News and Views continues right after this. This is your Drive at Five, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. I tell you, the more you, uh, the more I do this program and uh, the more you listen to it, uh, the, the more you just got to roll your eyes in disbelief on what happens uh, across our country. The people that are, quote, public servants. It is absolutely laughable. Raphael Warlock. Warlock. (laughs) Freudian slip. Warnock. (laughs) I might have been right the first time. Raphael Warnock. He voted for a COVID-19 relief bill that steered $75,000 to a nonprofit social justice group he fan- founded that is run by the church that supplements his Senate salary to the tune of more than $100,000, according to government records. The Martin Luther King Sr. Collaborative, a community activist group that Warnock led as CEO until the, uh, well, until 2020, 
and when he ran for the Senate, sought to receive COVID relief funding from the American Rescue Plan in September of 2021, according to Georgia Financial Records. The Martin Luther King Jr. Foundation was founded by the Ebenezer Baptist Church, where Warnock is still employed as its lead pastor and paid him last year $120,000 in addition to his Senate salary. The guy's doing all right. Warnock voted for the American Rescue Plan in March of 2021, two months after ousting Republican Kelly Loeffler in a special Senate election. The bill passed 50 to 49 in a partisan split with Warnock giving the Democrats the 50th vote necessary to put it over the top. We were able to deliver on our promise to Georgia to pass this historic COVID relief. Georgia is a very, in a very real sense, is delivering relief to the whole country, Warnock said at the time, calling the bill historic legislation. The funding raises questions about whether Warnock or his employers used Warnock's position as senator to benefit from the $1.9 trillion American Rescue Plan that some leading economists have blamed for skyrocketing inflation, bingo. Americans for Public Trust and Ethics Watchdog Group said the federal relief funding adds to concerns that Warnock's outside work poses a financial conflict. Warnock receives a housing allowance from Ebenezer Baptist Church that amounts to $7,500 a month. That is a pretty nice house. This, according to the liberal publication of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, it's not a great look to learn that a U.S. senator cast the key vote that it awarded his nonprofit tens of thousands of dollars, said Caitlin Sutherland, director of the Americans for Public Trust, and now it is revealed that Warnock is receiving a housing allowance from Ebenezer that is more than what the the organization got. In other words, theoretically, that entire $75,000, connect the dots, follow the money, went right into his pocket. <laughs> Can't make it up. I think Warlock is probably a better name. Wow. Speaking of Georgia, speaking of liberals, Democrat Georgia gubernatorial nominee Stacey Abrams received more than $100,000 from a mysterious limited liability company that doesn't appear to have any online presence outside her financial disclosure form and corporate records. This according to Fox News. Abrams' financial disclosure form, released in March, lists Dream Project Partners, Inc. in multiple sections, including statement of income and direct ownership interest in business entity. The Georgia Democrat listed herself as a board member and shareholder and recorded in the income section that she received $50,000 in 2021 and $100,000 in 2022. The financial form says she has no duties with Dream Project Partners, Inc., and its principal activity description is also vague. Quote, developing a culturally competent technology platform from entrepreneurs. 
What kind of BS is that? The other online presence for the opaque company is in Delaware Business Records, which lists it as a domestic corporation established in June of 2021. Delaware, known from its permissible corporate secrecy, does not require entities to list managers or members in the information documents. Instead, it allows just the name and address of a registered state agent as a substitute. The Dover-based Resident Agents, Inc., is its registered agent in its papers. Abrams, who touted herself as a Yale-trained tax attorney, earlier this year also disclosed relationships with several other limited liability companies. She acts as a managing member of Davis Hall, LLC, which until 2021 was named Sela Technologies, LLC, according to a search of Georgia State Records. Abrams lists this as her personal office, according to the forms. Meanwhile, the forms show that Abrams is also owner of Hull Davis LLC, which deals with, quote, general business matters. The repeat gubernatorial candidate says in the financial disclosure that she has made more than a 5%, uh, that she has more than a 5% ownership interest in both companies and that they each have a fair market value of more than $5,000. Now listen to this line. Abrams' net worth. Now, what has this woman been doing for the last four years? For two of those years, she hadn't done anything but run for public office. Abrams' net worth has drastically increased as she has worked in the private sector over the past few years. She is now worth more than point. One seven million dollars, more than three million dollars. Four years ago, she listed her net worth at one hundred nine thousand. Her net worth. Now that's everything. That's not just cash. That's your net worth. That's your home, your car, your personal items, your savings account. That's everything. In four years, she's gone from one hundred nine thousand to over three million, and all she's done is run for office. That ought to tell you something. Abrams pushed back against criticism of her increase in wealth earlier this year by telling the Associated Press that she believes every person should have the opportunity to thrive. Lady, you're thriving. How are you getting all that money, though? That's what we want to know. (laughs) Every person should have the opportunity to thrive. And I assume what she means by that, it doesn't matter how you get it. Everybody, Everybody ought to better themselves. Legal or non-legal, everybody ought to better themselves. George Soros is putting money in my bank account. Hey, everybody ought to thrive. If I'm getting money under the counter, everybody ought to thrive. If I'm getting handouts from the government, everybody ought to thrive. Unbelievable. And these are the people that we're electing that we're even considering to run for to, to, to represent us in office. They're not representing us, they're representing themselves. Stay with us, we'll be right back. This is your Drive at Five, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. So Charlie Crist uh, won the nomination to run against... Uh, Ron DeSantis, down in Florida's governor's race. 
he was asked by CNN whether or not he wanted Joe Biden to come campaign for him. This is what he said. Look what Joe Biden's done for our president Biden, forgive me, has done for our country. He's been exceptional. Look what he's done for the world. I mean, what's happening in Ukraine, him bringing NATO together, uh, new members to NATO, Finland, Sweden. It's, it's remarkable. The EU. I mean, what other president could have done what he's done? He's been phenomenal. Gas prices are down. Inflation is trending down. Democracy is trending up. I'm running against a guy who's against democracy. He doesn't support mail-in ballots. He doesn't support African-Americans and their right to vote. Joe Biden supports all of that. He's a good man. He's a great man. He's a great president. I can't wait for him to get down here. I need his help. I want his help. And he's, he's the best I've ever met. I know this man. He offered me his lunch when he was campaigning for me uh, a couple of years ago down in Florida. I, don't, I only eat one meal a day. I try to stay fit. I'm an old quarterback from Wake Forest. But seriously, this man is a great man. Joe, thank God Joe Biden's the president of the United States today. Thank God for that. Uh, listen, that's uh, Ron DeSantis' new campaign ad. All he's got to do is play that. Uh, and I think he's I think he's pretty much uh, got it in the bag. By the way, Chris also came out and said when he was asked about, uh, you know, how, how are you going to attract voters who really like Ron DeSantis? And uh, Chris said, oh, I don't want them. They can go out and vote for whoever they want to. I don't even want their vote. Well, guess what? The majority of Floridians voted for DeSantis. You just had your Hillary Clinton deplorables moment where you just kissed off more than half of the voters in Florida. Unbelievable. And thanks for being with us. We'll do it again tomorrow. Play a little political trivia. We'll see you at 5. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.